Hi, it's Alan, and today I have a clip for you that's really about the overall theme of this Towers of Babel project. And that theme is that our love for story has become an addiction and it's killing us. Now, I'll confess that even when I first wrote that, you know, this addiction to story is killing us, well, it, it sounded a little melodramatic to me, maybe a little too much, maybe too over the top, too alarmist, a little overbaked. But I kept it because I had a feeling, and I still have the feeling, that this tagline, this theme, really is is true. In fact, sometimes it feels painfully obvious to me, and that finding examples of this addiction to story is easy, sometimes, you know, almost shooting fish in a barrel easy. For example, this morning, I'm in the kitchen, I'm drinking my morning coffee, and I'm listening to the Vox podcast, Impeachment Explained. And the host, Ezra Klein, is talking to Noah Feldman. And Feldman is a Harvard Law professor and one of the constitutional scholars who recently testified at the House Judiciary Committee's impeachment hearing. So the two of them, Ezra and Noah, are discussing the finer points of the impeachment process. And I'm kind of zoning out. But then they have an exchange that made my ears perk up. I have the clip here, and as you listen to it, I'd like you to ask yourself, is our addiction to story killing us? Here's the clip. You've written that the biggest problem the Democrats are going to have in the impeachment inquiry is not finding evidence of a quid pro quo, which largely the Trump administration released on its own, but is sustaining momentum. Can you talk about what you mean by momentum and how it plays into this? Yeah, the momentum challenge is... They're not going to be, it seems almost certain now, any more significant revelations in this story. And in fact, there haven't been that many revelations from the beginning because this had the weird feature of being whatever's the opposite of a slow burn. I guess it was a fast burn. You know, like someday if they want to make a podcast about this, you know, long, you know, narrative podcast, it's actually going to be kind of hard because it all started with the culmination, which was the phone call which was released relatively quickly. So once you had that phone call, you knew there was an impeachable offense. Like the evidence is right there on the surface. And so what that means is that it's hard for the news cycle to be sustained because people already know what happened. So all these witnesses appear. And yeah, we got some more details about what happened, but we still had the basic story of, of what happened. The whole thing is being told in reverse. There's no narrative climax here. So that's a problem for keeping people's attention. You know, then we had, you know, a day of hearings that I participated in of some law professors, of whom I was one, talking about why the Constitution matters here and trying to be clear about it. But that's a one day blip. And then um, subsequent to that, um, there's been some testimony from committee staff, which is not exactly totally fascinating, because again, it's all stuff that's been out there. And then the Democrats are going to you know, most likely draft articles of impeachment and most likely pass them. And then it goes to the Senate for a trial where most people know that the odds are overwhelming that the president will be acquitted. So the momentum problem is you can't create narrative flow when you already know the facts up front and when the outcome, the probable outcome is sort of out there for everybody to see. Now, as Noah says, there's no narrative tension, no drama. Trump releases the transcript of his call with Zelensky, and the story is over before it begins. Because while there are facts about extortion and corruption and abuse of power, there isn't much of a story. But you know that already, right? I mean, a couple of days ago, I posted a video by the godfather of narrative journalism himself, Ira Glass. And in the video, 
Ira describes the building blocks for a story. What is a story in its purest form? A story in its purest form is somebody saying, this happened, and that led to this next thing, and that led to this next thing, and that led to this next thing, like one thing following another. It's a sequence of events, like this guy is doing this thing, he's moving from space to space. You can feel through its form that when you have one thing leading to the next, leading to the next, you can feel inherently that you're on a train that has a destination and that he's going to find something. Now, something like Watergate delivered that story, one plot point at a time. This happened, and then this happened, and so on. But the Ukraine scandal clearly does not. And, and here's something else Trump could potentially do that would obviously be criminal. But again, ask yourself as you listen to this, would it make a good story? The people, my people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Trump says he'd get away with it because his voters are so loyal. But again, as Noah Feldman said in that first clip, you can't create narrative flow when you already know the facts up front and when the outcome, the probable outcome, is sort of out there for everybody to see. And yes, I know, the probable outcome, the eventual outcome of Trump killing someone on Fifth Avenue might be a little uncertain. But there'd be zero doubt about the facts up front. There'd be video. We'd all see it just the way we see the transcript of the Trump-Zelensky call. But what we'd be missing is that key ingredient, the thing that we're addicted to, narrative flow. And, you know, I should add here that I too am addicted to this because I know that you might not come back to this project if I just bury you in facts about our collective addiction. If I say the same thing day after day and write the same thing week after week, if this project doesn't seem to be going anywhere, you'll be gone, you'll unsubscribe, it'll be, it'll be over. Which means this project needs some narrative arc, some sense of movement, of flow. And that flow must also include some surprises because... I don't want you to get bored. I mean, God forbid any of us get bored, right? So I'm going to uh, close by really shifting gears here and playing you a clip from the low-budget 1999 romantic comedy called My Ex-Girlfriend's Wedding Reception. And in this scene, which has been making the rounds on Twitter again, Bernie Sanders, of all people, makes a cameo appearance as a rabbi who stands up to give a toast at a wedding. Here's Bernie. Testing, testing, one, two, three, can you all hear me? My name is Rabbi Manny Shevitz, and I am very pleased that you invited me to be with you today, and I've prepared a few words for this important occasion. Today, we celebrate life, a very sacred part of life. I remember when I used to walk down my old neighborhood in Brooklyn. That was before the Dodgers went to Los Angeles, which was the worst thing, the worst thing that ever happened, and I don't know why we let them do that. I mean, nowadays, there is no pride. You don't know who owns what team, you don't know who's playing for what. Today they're here one day and they're gone the next day. It's a terrible thing. I remember when the Dodgers played the Yankees, and you bought a ticket, and that ticket was good for 10 years. Now we'd go to the stadium, and you look out on the field, and you see the Red Sox, you see the Orioles, you see the Cleveland Indians. You see everything, but you don't see the Yankees versus the Red Sox. Okay, 
I'm getting a little bit off the track here, but let me not take any more of your time. Just one quick thought. Oh, by the way, that free agency, free agency crap, that really gets me. That's $2 million here, they spend $12 million there. What's so free about that free agency? I, I, it, I can't take that anymore. Okay, I, I, let, me, let me just make my point here. And that is, all in all, it's not so bad. When it's good, it's good. If it doesn't feel right, just say no. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. It could be worse. Now, let's just thank God you have your arms, you have your legs. Let's eat. The video version of this uh, is even funnier because you get to see the reaction shots of all the people at the wedding. And I'll put a link to the video in the show notes. But it's Bernie's words I want to leave you with today that as grim as the world can sometimes seem and as bad as the news can sometimes get, Rabbi Bernie is right. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith. Keep in touch. And see you next time. If you feel all right, just say yeah. I said if you feel all right, say yeah. <laughs>